Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. Your host, Jake Burns. This is your, well, it's a weird setup here. We got a lot of days off now, 10 days off, so the timing of all these podcasts gets a little strange. This is going to be your defensive, comprehensive breakdown, looking back at how the Browns played. was lucky enough to, to catch up on the All-22, see how they played, and I want to give feedback on that. Uh, we'll go over data first from this game. The Browns gave up uh, 15 first downs, which is pretty solid. You know, they cut the third down percentages down a little here, allowing Denver to convert only 5 of 11, so you get that under 50%. The big number here is they only allowed the Broncos 223 yards and uh, only 49 plays. Nearly 20 less plays than Cleveland, which is, you know, speaks to their ability to get them off the field, speaks to their ability to keep the play number in check, uh, sorry, play yardage. In check, only 4.6 yards per play. Again, which has been the trend except for one game this year. Net rushing of only 41 yards for the Broncos, 182 passing yards. So, you know, pretty dang solid to keep NFL teams under 50 rush and under 200 pass. And then converted, sorry, or created one turnover and uh, made Denver punt four times. So those are all things you really like to see. Uh, If you can, you know, I thought... My goal is always to get to five between the sack turnover number, and I don't think they, they got there because I don't think they had very many sacks in this game. I think they only ended up with two, maybe. Uh, ended up with, yeah, two, because Miles split a sack with Clowney, and then uh, he had his own sack. So only two and then one turnover. He got to three. But, again, getting off the field, keeping Denver in check yardage-wise, they gave up a couple long drives in this game. If we look at the number of yards that the Broncos were able to put up, it was because of uh, a couple drives. They had a 79-yard drive in the second half and a 65-yard drive. Okay, Those plays, 13 for 79, 17 for 65. Here's every other drive uh, other than those two in the second half. 3, 6, 3, 3, 1, and 3. So pretty dang good, right? Pretty dang good. Uh, it's, it's the type of bounce-back game that you really wanted to see. Me personally really wanted to see for defense that's been shaken for the past two weeks, I don't think that's a secret at all. What they've what they've been dealing with internally and externally in terms of the skill of the teams they play, but the internal issues, coverage breakdowns, and uh, poor, untimely finishing on third and fourth downs. So those things were great. I mean, they held Javante Williams to four carries for twenty. Melvin Gordon eight carries for eighteen. Held Teddy Bridgewater twenty three of thirty three one eighty seven. He threw two touchdowns, but he had a pick. As well, John Johnson, I broke that one down on Twitter, put it up. It was cover six where he perfectly, perfectly set up the post where you, you kind of play forward uh, for, for a beat that, that convinces the quarterback you're flat-footed and then you undercut the post in your quarter's coverage. So really well done there. Cortland Sutton was really the only receiver that got offered Denver, five for 68. Noah Fant had five for 39. And then Javante Williams and all these screen passes. I think by my metrics, Denver had six screen passes. That's a ton of screens. They held Tim Patrick in check, two for 16. And Melvin Gordon at two for 14. He also had a touchdown in the flat, which we'll talk about the issue there in just a moment. 
other data metric stuff from this game. 17 snaps in base, 25 snaps in nickel, as nickel continues to be the most used personnel grouping, and then seven snaps in dime uh, for this game. Anthony Walker played the most linebacker snaps. He had 50, so he was all over the field, you know, 50 because there's a penalty play included in there. Malcolm Smith, in his first game back, had 25. He was a lot of your nickel linebacker setup plays. Ronnie Harrison bumped down and played some linebacker and dime sets and some other various situational sub packages. Mac Wilson and Sione Takitaki were on the field during base setups. 17 snaps apiece for those guys. So that tells you who was playing. They were going to play Malcolm Smith, and then they would rotate down Ronnie Harrison to play by Walker. So Walker played a ton. And so your 50 snap guys, Greg Newsom, Anthony Walker, and uh, John Johnson. So that trend continued. Um for your sub packages and, and whatnot. Grant Delpit had an uptick this week, only had nine snaps last week, I believe, up to 29 this week, so he was much more involved and graded much better. Other than the tackling, which was a 30.7, I still think he's got some tackling issues he needs to get rectified. We saw it last week with Arizona, we saw it again this week, and it was the only knock I really had on Grant coming out of college was that the missed tackle numbers were a little too high for me to feel truly comfortable. But he's very athletic. He's a coverage guy that when his mind is right and his eyes are right, he can play with anybody. I think he's he's pretty solid football player who will only keep getting better, and he's a rookie. Forget that he missed all of last year, right? From the coverage side of things, they played cover one on seven snaps, right? Man free. Played cover three on 23 snaps, so a big uptick there, which we'll talk about in a second. They played quarters on 17 snaps, cover six on one snap, which that cover six snap was the interception snap, partly because to me deceptive uh and disguised coverage leads to a sack i wish they do a little more of that and then they played their red two for one snap which cost them a touchdown when denzel ward did not see melvin gordon coming to the flat until it was too late and missed the tackle which is really frustrating which has been a pretty serious trend for denzel ward season this year he's I don't don't have to look at this. You know, he's been in and out of the lineup. He's got a neck injury. So Denzel has been dealing with this neck issue. He left the Minnesota game when he only played nine snaps and was kind of, he's kind of, if you go back and watch the game Thursday night, he's like rolling his head around a lot. So it's still bothering him. Now he didn't leave the game because of that. He left the game because of, I think a groin or a hamstring. I have not really checked on that yet. And I don't really care all too much as a lower body injury, but it is definitely his worst season. You know, collective grades since he entered the NFL, 2018, 78.9, 2019, 69.9, 2020, 70.5, 2021, 67.3. The thing that stands out to me is the coverage grade this year. Coverage grade's always been where he's been pretty strong. A really good 2018 mark in, uh, of, of 83.6, 72.7 and 19, 73.2 and 20. And this year, down to a 61.9. He's struggling, and it's a it's a year that he's making his case for another contract. He's given up 21 of 31 in his direction, his highest reception percentage allowed in his NFL career. He has only three pass breakups. It's pretty low for his numbers traditionally at. No interceptions. He's given up a touchdown, given up 90 yak yards, and already 230 receiving yards. So I don't know. I don't know. This is like the, the thing I talked about before the years, these big 2018 re-signed decisions. We saw Nick Chubb get his. But Baker and Denzel had to prove it, and neither of them are proving it. Injuries are playing a part, but neither of them are proving it. They need Denzel Ward to be better. I have consistently said he's a good corner. He's a good corner. He's just not great to elite. He's not there yet. 
He's just he's he's inconsistent in terms of availability, and he's inconsistent on the field where he's got all the athleticism in the world, but the the discipline stuff gets him in trouble so often. And again, you know that might mean the contract dips below, or I don't know where it goes. He's got another year. He's under. They picked up his uh, his option, his fifth year, so he'll be around. But he needs to put some good tape for a long period of time in place with some longevity, no injuries. Otherwise, his contract gets really hard. So, you know, going out a little in left field there, but that's the truth of it. So what was interesting to me in this game, guys, was the uptick in cover three, which if you play cover three, that tells me you're not all too afraid of getting beat deep. Now, the Broncos are limited weapons-wise, still really like Cortland Sutton, and I think Tim Patrick's pretty good. Noah Fant, pretty athletic tight end, but this game felt like the game plan. Browns only brought on 49 snaps six total pressures. They brought third down, or sorry, uh, three pressures on first down, two on third down, and one on second down. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It just felt like to me they said, hey, our guys are better. Joe Wood's theory in this one, our guys are better. And we're going to play basic coverage, a lot of cover three. We're not worried about being beat deep because Teddy doesn't throw it deep that often. And the the wind and the and the, and the weather was all, all of that was a factor. And it matched up perfectly what Denver's plan was. Now, again, Denver got off for some screen passes, which were really frustrating between the two backs, like I said. I think they caught six screen passes and and they gave up some yards on those and especially the second touchdown was a third and a third and goal from like the 11 screen pass that turns into a touchdown. So that was a little frustrating, but they Denver didn't want to put the ball downfield. Cleveland played defense to sort of bottle that stuff up anyway with no fear like our men. Joe Woods theory and this is our guys are better than your guys and we're going to keep it pretty simple to eliminate any risk, uh, you know, risk of bus coverages or risk of, uh, you know, being beat over the top. We're just going to do pretty simplistic things here. We're not going to blitz you a ton to leave ourselves vulnerable to some, some seam throws that maybe end up turning into really big plays. And I think it worked. I think the evidence is there that it worked, but the thing that helps them or drives the 
the bus, in my opinion, is the run defense. When they can hold teams, bottle teams up in the run game, that's where Cleveland's pretty dangerous. They did not do that against the Cardinals. And Eckler was pretty solid, too. So this one, they really, really bottled up Denver's run game. And then when you force Teddy to have to consistently throw, that's what you get. You know, I think that's the reason Denver is never going to be who some people thought they were. The Browns did get 18 pressures in this game, and that's what they want, right? Just to be able to pressure with the front four more often than not. You get six pressures from Clowney, five from Garrett. You get two from Malik Jackson. Grant Delpit on his blitz got a pressure. He's got to make that sack, but he got a pressure. Joe Jackson a pressure. Taki Taki a pressure. Anthony Walker a pressure. And Malik McDowell a pressure. So... They got 18. That's really good. They ended up with three sacks recorded by Pro Football Focus because they give Miles two and Clowney one. They don't do any half sacks, right? They did uh, hurries in this game, 13 hurries, five from Clowney, three from Garrett, uh, five guys with one hurry. They did not bat any throws down, but they had 18 stop tackles. Again, those are tackles that are you know, constitute a failure for the offense, whether run or pass game, so you like to see that. The best metrics for these guys in this game um, – Miles Garrett's grade was the best across the board. He had an 86.0 defense grade, had an 86.9 pass rush grade. The guy continues to get held. He even himself mentioned, hey, I'm, I'm really tired of getting the, the shack treatment out here and I can't get a call. And it's frustrating for him. It's really frustrating. I even wrote literally the title. He's getting the shack treatment last year. So uh, he's got to keep fighting through. Eventually, some of these are going to get called, or maybe they won't, and it's just going to always be a perpetually frustrating thing for him. I hope not, but that could be the outcome we see here. He's still producing, leads the NFL in sacks, took a step in the right direction with another sack this week. He's just extremely good, and the, the Browns are lucky to have him. He only played 33 snaps, though. They were pretty pretty patient with him and rotated a lot to try to keep guys fresh in this game. Sione Takitaki had 17 snaps, only uh, really a mixture. Denver threw a lot out of their 12 personnel stuff. He had nine coverage snaps, which is high for him, and he graded well in coverage, 77.6. He did not have any direct plays on the football. He gave up uh, one catch on three targets for eight yards, but he did a really great job on this uh, sort of tight bunch smash concept where he sat underneath a corner route uh, when, when Denver put a tight end out on a corner route between a flat and a post, which is typically a really tough play. I'm going to highlight it on the all 22 notes this week was a great coverage play feeling out the corner route over top of him, but also kind of half and halfing the flat route in front of him and deterred Teddy from throwing that football where if he jumps the flat, that's an open touchdown throw. So nice game from Sione Takitaki. And again, as I've said, has completely adapted and formed perfectly to that Sam linebacker in base sets. It's like the 15 to 20 snap range and he's really good at it. It's a cheap player. Great team player, great special teams guy, really good to see. Troy Hill in this game, an 80.2 collective grade, 81.1 coverage. He had two stop tackles. That guy's really not afraid to get up and tackle people from the nickel position. He only allowed one catch on one target for six yards. You really, really like to see that from him. He's, you know, he's pesky. I like him because he really supports the run game, Troy Hill. Um, he had 28 slot snaps in this one. I think he had 33 total snaps. 25 in coverage. I just really like how he plays. He's aggressive. He's tough. He will come in and hit people. He'll be a pesky blitz guy too. Uh, some coverage miscues here and there, but I, I think he's been pretty solid for Cleveland this year. Anthony Walker played his best game in a Browns uniform, an 80.1 grade, 83.8 tackle mark, a 76.5 coverage mark. He had seven tackles to lead the Browns individually, three assisted tackles, and three stop tackles, which also led the Browns individually as well. He did give up five of six targets, but... 
only 25 yards. Kept everything right in front of him, and that's exactly what you're supposed to do in a zone-heavy system from a Mike linebacker. Really good game. Mac Wilson, again, just like Taki Taki, a nice game. 17 snaps, the same as Taki Taki. He had a 79.5 defensive grade, a 79.1 coverage grade, 78.9 tackling grade. He had four tackles, two stop tackles himself, and only gave up uh, one catch on one target for three yards. So Mac played well. Greedy also played well. Another good game. Three of four good games for Greedy this year. 76.0 collective mark, 75.9 in coverage. But he did only play 11 snaps. He came on for Denzel. He continues to be the third guy uh, when, when he is used. Nine coverage snaps, so take that for what it's worth. Did not uh, did not give up a catch, was targeted once. Clowney in this game, 39 snaps, so a low number just like Miles. 27 pass rush snaps where he had a 68.7 mark. He did lead the team, like we said earlier, in pressures and had a stop tackle, and he continues to be a force, so rangy, so so different, man. Like How he plays the position is so different and unique, and He's a fun guy to break down every week. Joe Jackson, uh, 74.6 mark, 11 snaps. I thought he generated some nice rush. He had actually had a he had a quarterback hit in this one. So I thought his 11 snaps were productive, a 72.3 pass rush grade. Greg Newsom, who, again, should have had a pass breakup on the one-handed catch by Cortland Sutton, was in perfect phase. I think Greg Newsom's he's a good player, man. He I have really high hopes for where his career can go. Hopefully, as just like Denzel, he continues to stay healthy. He's got a real bright future in Cleveland. A 73.4 total grade, 78.1 tackle, 73.1 coverage. Had that pass breakup in the third quarter on a square end. Did a great job breaking on the football. He gave up four of six catches for 58 yards, but again, that long of 31 where Cortland Sutton made a ridiculous one-handed catch. Kudos to him. I think Cortland's a great player. Thought he was a great player coming out of the draft. Really wanted Cleveland to take him. That's a discussion for another day. John Johnson, a 65.9 grade, 61.9 coverage. His tackling, 29.5. He uh, he had a missed tackle, and that really hurts your tackle grade because you, you're really getting that based on opportunities. But he had an interception, man, and it was a great interception, and it ended a drive at the perfect time. He only gave up uh, two catches and two targets when he was the primary defender. He only gave up 21 yards. He did not do as much in the box as we thought. A lot of people tweeted at me early in the game about, about, hey, man, there's a tackle by John Johnson in the box, and that was a stop tackle. I'd like him to do more, but in this game, again, the massive split. He played 40 free safety snaps. He only played six box snaps, uh, one where he creeped up on the D-line, so seven of those, and then he was in the slot uh, three recorded times. So his usage is still different, and that's why his grade is still not – it's not quite as high as it used to be for his uh, for his Rams days because they used him differently and they used him more as a the versatile player he is. I think the Browns, looking at their safety group, a place that they can go this offseason is adding a true center fielder type and, and allowing John to play closer to the line of scrimmage and do more unique things. You know, he's these guys. I think Grant's a little better in deep coverage than people give him credit for but he's also a comfortable versatile player and and it's evident by now hopefully you all can see that Ronnie Harrison is is definitely not comfortable playing a high degree of difficulty snaps and deep coverage and a high quantity so you got some real overlapping skill sets here I was afraid of that but I didn't really go much on record with it but uh, they're good players. They just really are overlapping in what they do. So a 65.2 for Denzel Ward, 64.7 in coverage. He was three of three on targets allowed, but only 17 yards. He did give up that touchdown in the flat, which drove me bonkers because that was his missed tackle. He's just an easy play. He's he's better than that, man. 
He's got to make that play. He's got to make it. Grant Delpit, 29 snaps, like we said earlier, 63.8 grade, 41.1 in coverage. uh, Sorry, pass rush and 30.7 in tackling. He was a 64.3 in coverage. Uh, not really much action, though. He was 0 of 1 and targets his direction. He missed one tackle. He missed a screenplay tackle. He only had one assisted tackle, and he had that pressure that he missed on a quarterback sack he could have had. But he did have a nice pass breakup on a slant from the slot. I think Tim Patrick ran that, so I did like to see that. He was very diverse in alignments for Grant, kind of the role I'd love John to play, but Grant is playing that role. He had 10 box snaps, 9 free safety snaps, and 7 slot snaps. So that's fun. That's a good number for him. They just must feel – I think that probably what's going on with John Johnson is that they just – he's the only guy they feel comfortable playing deep all the time. And that's uh, something that they might want to address sooner rather than later. Maybe Richard LeCount plays into that later in the year. I don't know. 62.5 grade from Malik Jackson. He had a 69.1 tackle, 59.4 pass rush, 62.7 run defense grade. He had two pressures, a hit and a hurry. Two tackles on the game, one stop tackle. Pretty nice game from Malik Jackson, 27 snaps. Ronnie Harrison rounds out the group above 60 in this one. 62.1 grade, 79.0 tackle mark, 58.4 in pass rush when he rushed the quarterback and a 58.3 coverage grade. He only did rush the passer once on a blitz. Four tackles, one uh, assisted tackle. He had two stop tackles. Again, playing the role that I think he's more comfortable playing. 16 snaps in the box, nine snaps at free safety, three in the slot, one along the defensive line creeped up. So that's Ronnie Harrison's uh, ideal fit, and he plays better, and his metrics will be better in that role. Andrew Billings played 11 snaps, did not record a single thing in his 11 snaps, kind of gets average grades across the board. He is uh, he's a friend guy, and I don't think many expected that. He gave up the block kick because he was right guard on the field goal team this week because of the Browns' injury issues. He's a, he's a huge human, so putting him at right guard on the field goal team is not the worst idea, but he can't get blown up, push back, and fall down and give the interior rush from the Broncos a free run to block the kick. Can't happen. So Andrew Billings, disappointed, man. Tack McKinley gets a low grade, which I'm a little surprised about, partly because they put him in coverage three times. He's athletic. He can really do it. He really can. It's just hard, you know, it's hard to, to consistently have your D end making plays in coverage. He had to chase... Tim Patrick on a, on, a, on a shallow crossing route for like the entire field. And he almost made a play on the football, but just missed, but he gets a 43.7 coverage grade in three of those. He had 16 pass rush snaps, five run defense snaps. He graded out well in the tackling run defense marks, but did not have a pressure or anything uh, in that regard this game. And that's why his grade dipped a little bit. He had two tackles and one stop tackle in the run game where he made a really good play blowing up a a counter concept. I like that. Jordan Elliott was one of his worst graded metric games, 23 snaps, 16 in pass rush, seven on defensive, uh, sorry, run defense. His run defense metric hurt him a 52.7. He did have only one tackle, one assisted. He did have a stop tackle though. Uh, Just, you know, just uneven performance where he got pushed out of his gap several times, didn't anchor double teams or split. So that's why you slip. Malik McDowell, again, I thought Malik played fine. He had a pressure in the game. He had a hurry. He had two tackles. He had uh, he didn't have a stop tackle, but I thought he was effective enough. I don't know. A 42.4 seems low, especially when he pass rushed it to 62.4, but the run defense, they, they graded him poorly. And then the low grade of the game was Malcolm Smith, who uh, gave up two of two in the pass game for 15 yards, uh, did give, get accredited with a touchdown on the screen pass there. Uh, in the fourth quarter, 
a 29.5 grade. He did not tackle well. He, he led the team in missed tackles with two. And uh, I didn't think that they were either of those were crucial mistakes. Not all missed tackles are created equal. Some missed tackles hurt that lead to, you know, yards after catch way more than others. So this grade's harsh. I didn't think he played as bad as the number is here, but he didn't play his best game. That's for sure. And it continues the trend of Malcolm Smith when he's not playing Mike, not playing all too well uh, as far as how he grades out. So take that, uh, take that for what it's worth. Just it's, a couple games of data on that now when he plays week one was his worst graded game of the year right uh that game he was a 29.6 in that one and then he came back uh you know he was taken over the role for for walker he had a 78.7 and 80.2 and a 74.6 weeks two three and four week five gets hurt only plays three snaps misses week six plays week seven and now we have two games of higher snap counts with walker and He's not performing well in that will roll. And that is an example of where the Browns are missing Jeremiah Wusukoromoa is that will linebacker role, and it does make a difference. You really got to hope you get JOK back by, by, the, uh, by the bye so you can maybe get him for one of the Baltimore games because he's a difference maker. He is all over the football field, and that's a guy who can cut down some of those screen passes and, and various things like that. So... You got to get him back. You hope to. But again, defensively, I just want to kind of hit on, like, I know you guys are upset, and I thought there were a couple plays in third down where the Browns were late to the flat, which was really annoying to me. You know, if you're a safety coming up to flat coverage or if you're a will linebacker in flat coverage, like, you cannot put yourself at a depth that means you cannot come up and make a play. Like, I thought there were several examples, and I think two third down examples that they converted where they threw it to Noah Fant and then another one where they threw it to Patrick, I think, and created a first down off of a throw eight yards short of the first down. Like, you cannot let those things happen. You have to half and half it a little bit better than that. So that was frustrating. And I know people were griping still about Joe. They gave up 223 yards. And I know that Denver's not a world-beating offense. There's no denying that. But 223 yards to any NFL team, regardless of a lot of situations, is a pretty good game. I mean, the Browns, with all of their backups and all the different moving parts on offense, went for 376. So perspective, folks. I think this game was back a step in the right direction. They play the Steelers, who are not God's gift to offense right now either. So they'll get them. That'll be good for them. We'll see how they perform there. And then they got the Bengals, who are trending in an upward trajectory with their offense. And we'll see what happens. But again, I've talked about this too on, on various Twitch shows. These next four games are wildly important, and they're the type of quarterbacks I think the Browns' defense does well against those immobile quarterbacks. You got Ben, and Joe can run a little bit, but not really. That's not what he wants to do. That's not what he's made to do either. He's trying to cut back on that a little bit. And then you get uh, Mac Jones, and then you get Jared Goff, and neither of those guys are runners either. So they're in a good position here to get the defense back on track. We'll monitor what happens with the MRI with Denzel Ward. We'll talk about it over the weekend, maybe in tomorrow's offensive review. I can give you some notes on that if we get any information. But that's the extent of it defensively. Pretty good game. I think you should be happy with the direction the defense went that game, even if there were a couple times you were frustrated. I was frustrated too with what it ultimately ended up being on a couple third downs or some some plays where you you can't give up eight yards on a, on a first and 15 or something like that. So... Not perfect, but just like we talked about in the pregame of this one and leading up to it, you had to keep them under 20 points. 17 or below was even better, and then they held them to 14. So that's a win, and they won the game too. So that's all I got. 
kick back, enjoy your weekend, enjoy your Saturday college football today, enjoy your Sunday NFL tomorrow. I'll be back with the offensive breakdown for your Sunday morning. But until then, your Browns won. They're four and three. We'll see who gets healthy in the coming weeks. Well, coming 10 days. And we'll go from there. And, you know, I just, just wanted to give you this review, talk about some of the personnel numbers, the performance, the metrics, because I think you deserve to hear all those things in a timely manner. So hopefully you enjoy today's pod. Again, I'll be back tomorrow with the offense as well. So check that out. Enjoy your Saturday, like I said, with your family, fall festivities, whatever you're doing, or college football lounging. Have a great Saturday, guys. Check out the OBR where we have some great content up over the weekend. And as usual, go Browns. Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home, and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio.